0: stories of crocus it is an honor to talk to you. you you could even say storace like the Italians say you know it's the real real way to say it
1: <laughs> I would love to say Mark storace then because you know what now you've corrected me after 30 something years
0: <laughs> <laughs> well you know it, it, it was always different it depended which country we played in you know in France they mm-hmm. said. Stochas, Stochas. In, uh, in the USA they said Soraci S- and uh, you know like Liberac- <laughs> Liberace Liberacci, Versace Storacci, and but it's an it's an Italian name so it's really Storace you know Stora but uh, you know. I, I don't mind as long as they mean me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you know what? I'll tell you what. My last name is uh, is uh, Delamont, which is uh, French because I'm from New Orleans. Beautiful I, name, yeah. Oh, right. well, thank so, you. I
0: wanted to ask you about
1: that. Yeah, so I was born and raised in New Orleans. But I'll tell you what, man, anybody can butcher this last name. I've heard every version of this name, you know, that's not the right De way. Delamont. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, now see, that's, that's how my dad would prefer people to say it, but we always just said, yeah, you know, Delamont's fine. <laughs> you know, as long as you get that right.
0: <laughs> that's cool, cool. Well, I'm, it, I'm, right to, I'm right next to the, the French border here. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm in uh, Basel country, you know, next to Basel city. On oh, the Rhine, that's beautiful and, uh, out there. To, to my to my left, to the west is France, and uh, up to my north is Germany, and to <laughs> to the southeast and east is the rest the rest of Switzerland. You know, I'm in the i in the northwest corner. That is beautiful area up there too. Yeah, yeah,
1: really nice. Yeah. Like, what is one question that you get asked so much that it just drives you crazy every time someone asks you?
0: Yeah, I guess it's about uh, the similarity of Crocus to (laughs) ACDC and to my voice to Bon Scott's. You know, I mean, okay, yeah. (laughs) I guess we know that now by now. And all I have to say is that. um, Crocus has done a lot of songs that, um, in a style that ACDC ACDC would never touch. You know, like sc- take "Screaming in the Night." You know, our right. biggest ballad from our best-selling album "Headhunter." You know, it's a lovely ballad, and the only ballad ACDC ever wrote was a blues. You know, called "Right On." Right you know, on. And, yeah. Yeah, but for, to answer the other question you know because might as well get it over with <laughs> it's, uh, you know I, I guess you know Bon and I grew in the same uh, era you know so we, we had the same influences more or less you know and um, I guess both on on a diff- different parts of the world you know in different hemispheres but, but we were still whatever you know mm-hmm. 60s children and and hard rock fans and we did we had our phase of progressive music and um, i don't know what happened you know <laughs> but well, i definitely don't try to clone bond you know you know this fun that's so cool
1: that you said that because one of the things i always thought about crocus was that while there was definitely some similarity, like you said, like songs like you know "Screaming in the Night" or even you know even like "Headhunter," you know, was like nothing like AC/DC would do. No, but then "Long Stick Goes Boom" kind of kind of covers that territory. But I never really, yeah, can, I never really compared you guys to AC/DC, other than this the fact that it was a similar uh like guitar sound like i always thought musically and and lyrically it was very different from acdc
0: yeah true um you know the the guitar sound you know what uh malcolm the riffs that he came up with i mean this was a different kind of uh mathematics behind the, the the riffs you know and uh it was something incredible and i guess it turned people on it turned guitar players on and i have nothing against anybody who um is influenced by someone else we're all influenced by someone else you know whether it's queen or led zeppelin and you know black sabbath or whoever uh we all have a background you know we did not we didn't grow up with uh, cotton wool in our ears <laughs> right
1: but at the same time you also didn't grow up being influenced by you know a lot of the later era bands that came around because you know you know a band like crocus was already established in the you know late 70s you know what i mean and so you really a lot of those bands weren't even so much influences as much as they they were peers because you were kind of doing stuff the same time that they were
0: well yeah there's not much of a gap there Mm -hmm. and uh, so uh i I guess you know it it, i mean acdc let's face it it is good energy you know good rock and roll good hard rock energy Mm -hmm and um, but there's a few other bands who have good hard rock energy good little bit of metal in there and and uh, you can hear <laughs> um, something from other bands within the the crocus repertoire mm-hmm. as well you know and vice versa you know i mean there's there's there was an era when we were more or you know maybe not 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 particularly myself, but um, Judas Priest became an influence for a while, you know, Mm -hmm. um, after after the uh, ACDC uh, phase, if you like. Um, Yeah, and then it went on, you know, and later on came uh, Def Leppard Mm -hmm. with a very uh, commercial, poppy sound, you know. Um, And then we went back to to our original roots, you know, and by that time grunge was here and Mm -hmm. nobody uh, doing hard rock, hard rock had a hard time then and and it was time for grunge rock, you know, Mm -hmm. but it was still rock and still good stuff. You know, that's how the story goes. (laughs) Well, you know, and,
1: and so the first time I ever heard Crocus was back in 84. And, you know, being a young American metalhead that had just discovered heavy metal you know it uh, like i just wanted to, to absorb everything and you know from the easiest way for me to do this a lot of times was these masters of metal albums that um, a label called Tell put out and the, uh-huh. and there was one that i purchased in 84 that had the song screaming in the night on it and it made me a fan like to this day, like I've been a Crocus fan since. Like, have you heard that a lot from others that discovered you guys? Say from those kind of compilation records.
0: Yeah, I think comp- yeah, for people who wanted to get to know what a band was was about that they they had not bought any albums of, well, the best way was to buy a compilation album and catch up with with the best known uh material that the band let, let out you know right and and that way you have a kind of uh, cross section of what a band does but but if it's only one track you know it, you know but yes I do and I do know people who who got to know Crocus in in this manner you know mhm I used to do that too <laughs> well, in the early days. I'd, I'd buy compilate compilation album and get to know bands that way. And then if I liked a song, I'd buy the whole album, buy buy more stuff, and get more interested. Well, and that's funny
1: because that was exactly what happened with me. Was that you know the minute I heard Screaming in the Night, I went out and bought Headhunter like within within a day. <laughs> and that was where my you know my obsession with crocus started and i mean headhunter and then working my way backwards also you know i mean i, I mean there was just some amazing albums and you and i happened to be talking back and forth one day and you happen to say that you felt like it was the album one vice at a time where crocus really hit its stride you know what was it about that particular album in time where everything just seemed to kind of ignite
0: well you know when uh, when the energies and influences all come together and and you write an album which is which makes sense to you every song that's on it makes sense to you in some way or other and fits musically like, um, <clears throat> like, you know, it all fits together basically. And, and, and I guess that came from experience and, and especially road experience, live experience. You know, even uh, what we did during rehearsals, you know, we'd rehearse. And um, during sound checks as well, we'd we'd jam other people's songs, one or two, or bits and pieces of other people's songs. And um, that way you start to form yourself and you keep on developing, you keep on progressing and, and creating until... Your uh, handwork, you know, and your ideas t- start to to uh, kind of gel into a more focused, for, focused thing, you know. Mm. And w- one vice at a time is it's like saying one album at a time, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and and. Uh, I joined the band for Metal Rendezvous mm-hmm. and that shot straight up into the charts and gave us international the first big international kick you know and thanks to that we got a deal with Arista New York you know mm-hmm. before that we were signed to Ariola Europe and right. you know then Hardware Hardware album we recorded in, in England you know in London and uh so it's the same thing with one vice at a time. We had ACDC next door with Mud Lung was next door mixing <clears throat> for those about to rock and Malcolm was sitting in the green room smoking and sometimes would say hi bye. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and bye. Um, and and we had Tony Platt who also was engin- Mud Lung's engineer producing our album. And so there was this thing of, of feeling like, <clears throat> you know, wow, uh, we're really where we want it to be, you know, we're in this, uh, in, in, the, in the family, you know, you start to feel like you're in this big world family of, of, of music and rock, you know, and right. Bruce Dickinson came in and sang back and vocals um <clears throat> on uh, i'm on the run i think yeah or uh, a couple of songs i think and um, playing the outlaw maybe as well and so you know i mean we knew we knew bruce already because we we'd already played with uh, iron maiden a couple of times in london and right so th- there was this whole nice uh, scene happening you know and i guess the whole vibe of of the thing you know Made made Crocus feel like you know we're we're here we're relaxed and doing our thing and putting our heart and soul into it you know after being on the road for for so long since Metal Rendezvous Hard way, and now one vice at a time on the way you know so that helped that helps you know when stuff like that happens. Yes, and because I mean yeah. one of the things that you
1: said earlier that I thought was such a good observation was that um, <laughs> something about those bands, um, like when they started, almost kind of had like an early, like a kind of a, a proggy. It seemed like the, like the earlier you know material from bands like Priest and um you, you know like uh let's see you had Priest, you had Scorpions, you had yeah. uh, like even the debut Saxon album. They all kind of had this kind of like a proggy sound, but yet none of them sounded like they were together. And then with Metal Rendezvous, it was st- it was more of like a kind of an in your face rock, but I could hear that as all of these bands started to kind of meld into the into another or grow into another sound you all ended up together you know and so is that kind of what you were getting at as far as saying like you kind of felt like crocus had kind of like come into this thing where it's like you guys all met in the middle
0: kind of yeah you know and 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 Another thing you have to keep in mind: cro- Crocus did not come from a from an English-speaking uh, zone. Right, if you like. right. You know, Not not Australian, not not uh, British, and um, not American. Um, you know, more like you know the scorpions. That, I mean, at that time, the scorpions were the main. German band and, and mm-hmm. Crocus was you know or became Crocus became the main Swiss hard rock band and, and then then there was a Golden Earring from um, Holland mm-hmm. you know which was uh, making you know with uh, um, <clears throat> Radar Love yeah they had right. this big big hit that you know Um, which is not metal or hard rock but but still you know lovely song Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's uh, so 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 there was there was no kind of uh, how can I say uh, it was an international rock and roll handshake if you like you know (laughs) which which we were feeling we were feeling this big you know pat on the back from it was like we're all competing against each other, but yet we're all mates, you know, (laughs) we're all in the same, in the same genre, you know.
1: It's so funny because it's so true because, you know, if you're not competitive to begin with, then you kind of don't have that push to become the best band that you can be. But at the same time, you don't want to like turn your nose up at other bands and go, Oh no, I have no time for you. It's like you still want to help each other out, but you want to see who can blow who off the stage.
0: <laughs> you know. Well, well yeah, that, that that that's how it was. This was the the life story of Crocus, you know. Mm-hmm. Ever since I've I've known, you know, opening for other bands, whether it was with bands before Crocus or with Crocus, it was always like you know like to meet the guys and and party after the gig and, and meet and talk drink coffee or whatever before doing the sound check time you know but then when you when you psych up and put your uh, stage clothes on and and hit the stage you know you're uh, you're all fighting for for your you're struggling for your existence and for your success and to make your mark you know and Mm. and to leave leave uh, an impression and 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 most of all to please the fans because without that you know you're not gonna come back (laughs) and do another gig you know so it was always trying to find a way how can i what can we give them that that they like us more, you know that mm-hmm. they love our music more, that they buy more albums that that we have a bigger following, you know, that's that's how it goes. I wish I could remember, I I could remember. which artist said this, but
1: it was like it was like a musician that said uh, that especially as an opening act, you had to go out on stage every night like you were the headliner. Like, you had to give them as much energy and as much great music as you could give with hopes that even though you knew there was someone going to headline after you, that you wanted people to, like, go, oh, man,
0: Crocus was awesome. I got to get the shirt. Got to buy the album. Exactly. Exactly. You know, headliners all normally have had a hit or two. Which made them into a headliner right. Maybe they're already At platinum level And they can af- afford the whole Production and stuff and you go on As special guest And you have to pay the Headliner something for using their Stage and so on And maybe you're close to You know maybe you've had a Hit but maybe you're not Up there yet you know and And you have less time to prove yourself your little magic window is shorter you know so uh, and and that that's there's good and bad in that because mm. when you don't have to play for 2 hours then you have more energy to give in a shorter space of time you know right and and so you know a lot of fans then go home say wow they kick they really kicked ass but they forget that the the headliner uh has to stretch their show they have <laughs> more most of them have a, a larger repertoire of hits mm-hmm. and they can take it easy they can relax in between and then you know save the energy and build the show up like like we learned to do later, later on, you know, mm-hmm. and and um, and when you're at the opening act, like our first couple of years, you know, we only had a thirty minute slot. You know, thirty minutes. You travel all that way in the bus. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you, and do, you wait, you wait so long yeah. you practice so hard and then you go up and 30 minutes is like a flash in the pan you know it's like what it's over and so in those 30 minutes it's like you you really have to burn and explode and give them all the thunder you
1: can. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just always thought it was interesting because I have a band here in Atlanta and you know, we've played our own shows as headliners locally, you know, where we play for like, you know, hour, hour and fifteen minutes or whatever. But we have opened for bands where we were like they were like, You have twenty minutes and you you go on like ten minutes after the doors open. <laughs> and I just remember going to my band like <laughs> We have 20 minutes. We need to pick the four yeah. best songs that we have and like no bullshit and just get out there and play yeah. as hard as we can, sweat, yeah. sweat as much as we can, talk to the crowd, you know, and it always seems to work for us. But I totally, under, I can't even imagine that on a grander level, on a bigger scale where, like you said, you're traveling in a bus all day. Like, hell, sometimes your sound check was longer than your actual set. <laughs> yeah, if you got a sound check. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am also no stranger to that. Let me tell you, there's nothing more horrifying than walking out on a stage, and then the minute you start playing, you go, I can't hear shit. There's nothing coming out of these speakers. <laughs>
0: yeah uh, you know even then uh, even if you're in the middle s- as special guest you know you don't have all the same volume on the pa out there blasting at the crowd as, as much as the headliner right has you know which which is in a way logical and uh, you know they pay for it all and you then there's all the lights, you know, you don't get as, as many lights and you don't have that much space on stage. So mm-hmm. these are things you have to work at achieving, you know. So bit by bit and little bit of negotiation, you know, hopefully with diplomatic manager, you know, some, some right. managers can be a bit less diplomatic and, <laughs> <laughs> in, in, and in, the, in the way be a, a negative, uh, force you know Mm -hmm. so it's it's many elements that you know have to come together but all in all when i look back you know we were lucky and i mean i yeah i look back and think god we had a, a a blessing you know right a band from coming from switzerland um our whole net network is is here is based on foreign bands you know american uh, and british bands passing through switzerland stopping here doing gigs and and they get well paid you know but and and that's it so the the local scene wasn't that um big you know so to having having got out there on the new wave of british heavy metal Mm -hmm. you know as a swiss band was a big stroke of luck and the other elements are we had the right product at the right time you mm-hmm. know and and uh, you know I think the song Heat Strokes is <sighs> what broke us in the USA Great song we had by a, the way A, <laughs> yeah. a great guy um, Mr. Mike Bone mm-hmm. in, in uh, New York sitting in New York with Arista Records you know he was A&R and he said I heard Heat Strokes and I thought we've got to sign into this band you know I mean of course including the rest of the album and he went to Clive Davis you know and and uh, we he got his blessing and, and we we went on to um, playing the USA for the almost for the next decade you know which was a great experience and uh, probably the best uh, in our lives you know you know when crocus, yeah, when crocus really broke
1: into the states kind of like you said like I had just heard you guys for the I first time in 84 and, and I hadn't even had the chance had to see you guys live still haven't which is one of the saddest things of my life as a music fan <laughs> but when yeah. you were tour when you were touring in the 80s especially here in the states um what what bands did you feel like treated you guys the best as far as helping you guys push your music forward
0: well when we first started out we were playing sleazy clubs you know <laughs> lots of drunk people and it smelled like marijuana the moment you walked in you know <laughs> and, and uh, then we went on with, with Sammy Hagar and he was on his tour uh, mm-hmm. the red rocker and uh, we, we thought wow this guy is like filling f- filling up big holes and he, he comes into our dressing rooms to ask if, if everything's okay do you need anything boys you know <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so one by one you know from 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 that we we toured with with uh, van halen and and judas priest judas mm-hmm. priest was also one of the bands that always treated crocus like like we were some envoys from a a royal whatever <laughs> You know they had this red carpet on stage and they asked us do you want to have it there shall we take it away you know little details like this you know Mm -hmm. where some bands don't didn't even bother you know you felt they were like trying to sabotage you (laughs) but but, uh, not with them we did about three big tours with them with uh, Judas Priest Mm -hmm. you know and then there was Ted Nugent he he treated us real well as well, and uh, when we toured Europe with him, we even shared the same bus. You know. Oh, I can't and, even uh, imagine it was that. Great to hear all these, all these hunting stories from, from the Nudge himself. You know, it was, it was great. <laughs> that is amazing,
1: <laughs> uh, and you know what? I have to honestly tell you that. Your hair back in the '80s was absolutely amazing. Like even when I was a kid, when I was a kid, I was like, I was like, his hair defies gravity. It is absolutely amazing. Like no one looked like you. That was just great, man. Like I just loved that. I'm
0: sure you hear you've heard that before. I used to stick my finger in a plug, you know, (laughs) And and the electricity did my hair. It Was like fast way to do it (laughs) I remember I had a friend like a
1: good friend of mine because I didn't have a whole lot of friends when I was younger but this good friend of mine who was a Crocus fan also that we used to listen to records every weekend I just remember him saying like I wonder what kind of stuff he hides in his hair you know like does he hide like joints and stuff in there and stuff it was always
0: just great (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah. it was always good going through the Canadian border You know, spend half a day at the Canadian border. No, no, joking. (laughs) Us joking aside, Um, you know, I I was influenced, I guess, a a lot during the uh, Woodstock era. It it started, you know, uh, you know. Marsha Hunt do you know remember Marsha Hunt and yes. Jimi Hendrix yes uh, I, I'm a big hippie kind of hairdos. yeah <laughs> because you know I'm, I'm, I'm from uh, the, I'm, a, I'm an island boy I'm from the Mediterranean and uh, there must be some genes you know genes from Italy and genes from my mom was was half English so uh, a bit it depends so I have kind of uh, very tough hair it doesn't hang it never hang, you know uh, <laughs> until it got really until it got real long and then then the curls hang started to hang and I I used to put some we uh, have to put some oil in it and stuff and yeah you know, it's it's a lot of, it's a lot of work you know no, not brill cream you know right, or Vaseline right. you know, or whatever <laughs> but you know these <laughs> Yeah, w- it was a it was a big problem trying to keep it under control. <laughs> well, you know what I just loved though it was that is that like Crocus had
1: this look that again kind of like what you said. You you didn't have an American look to you, but it just stuck out to me. You know what I mean? Like as in like these guys don't look like everybody, which I loved. As a, as a music fan, you know what I mean? Because, you know like, I mean? you can only have so many, have so many. Motley Crue's or, Motley like, so Cruz. many poisons, you know? Yeah. But like, to me, it's like, wow, Crocus is much more yeah, than we, that. Yeah, we, our, we,
0: our, our tour manager, Little Dave, you know, he was like uh, seven feet tall. <laughs> he was our, uh, he was the henchman who brought out the axe for Fernando to smash the guitar with. Oh, the- and he was uh, a, <laughs> I did not know he was, that. He was a, he was a yeah um, a really nice big kind-hearted black guy you know mm-hmm. whom I still love till today we're still in contact and uh, yeah he he threw he he threw Motley Crue out of our dressing room uh, in L.A. Uh, but I mean they <laughs> they were not famous yet you know they were and he thought they were just some. Uh, yeah, our own local band on drugs trying to get backstage into our dressing room. And, you know, it's like, you know, leave my boys alone kind of thing, you know. <laughs> and little did we know, little did we know, you, you don't, you, you know, we didn't have a, a crystal ball. We couldn't see what these guys would turn into, you know, uh-huh. in the future and Poison we used to hang out in sportsmen's Lodge in the valley in our hotel towards the end and uh-huh. we didn't know we didn't know either uh, <laughs> it's a, it's a thick, you know shit like this happens you know <laughs> you have to <laughs> take it in your stride and, and not to be uh, not be too serious about it and or uh, I mean if you're on the receiving end not be offended about it you know Uh um he was just doing his job trying to keep his boys clean you know
1: (laughs) the whole turning point with you guys in the states and everything was i mean that you guys were getting a lot of press also i mean i couldn't open up like hit parader or circus or cream or you know any of those hard rock magazines it was always something about you know had to do with crocus and and i know you get asked a lot about this but I just wanted to acknowledge it was that I remember reading the whole thing with D Snyder fiasco you know and oh yeah and, and like all these years like people still just talk about and I'm like does anybody even remember what happened? <laughs> like, I just like, who cares? Like, <laughs> what, like, like, like yeah, Cro- Crocus is great. Yeah. Twisted Sister was great. Like they were both great. Who cares if they were arguing about, you know, stage clothes or yeah, I mean, when, whatever. when we, when
0: we saw uh, Twisted Sister the first time, it was a open air in Phoenix, Arizona. Mm-hmm. And we all like, uh, dashed out of the dressing room to listen, you know, um, we we ain't gonna take it you know and all cuz uh, d was very kind of politically minded and and he was saying a lot of the right things you know at that time and we thought right. wow if um we were used to hanging out you know and touring with the new you know ted Nugent who is a rapper you know he talks a lot <laughs> in between songs and stuff and uh and here was another guy coming coming out with with new stuff, you know, and we all thought, great, you know, it's great shit, you know, great stuff. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly this thing happened with the stage clothes and and his wife, and uh, it's not worth repeating, you know. For me, it's like Water under the Bridge. But if if uh, some some people have to kind of digest, or maybe they they are influenced by other people around them you know right
1: to kind of go back to the albums and the songs there was a question i always wanted to ask you ever since i was a kid and that is yeah who was smelly nelly who what was that actually a person <laughs> like who was that no it's
0: <laughs> it, it was no not nobody i knew um and um well, Chris, Chris came with these, came up with these lyrics, and I said, uh, "Are you sure you want to sing this kind of lyric?" <laughs> <laughs> and he said, "Well, go ahead. You know, if anybody asks, then say it was my uncle, my <laughs> uncle who lives in it, lives in London, uh, wrote these lyrics for us, and uh, and that's it. You know, so it's." If anybody blames you for being disgusting, you know <laughs> singing disgusting lyrics. I mean Oh God. It's so funny oh because that was like such a
1: that was such a cult hit among Crocus fans, you know, like it wasn't like it was like a single or a song that was necessarily played a lot, but I just remember just thinking yeah, like, this song is fucking great, man. This is hilarious. I love this song. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, there's a yeah. There's only one one thing to do about it, and and that's to to laugh. You know, you know it's all you can do. <laughs> but, I mean, and and you know, my my consolation is when I in the seventies, I I used to listen to a lot of Frank Zappa. You know, <laughs> I caught it from the toilet seat and <laughs> stuff like that. So, so I thought. Well, pff, that's not that bad. Yeah, come on. Let's. I'll sing this. No, okay. I'll blame. I'll blame. I'll blame
1: Chris's uncle. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's so funny. First off, you're gonna make my best friend really happy that you mentioned Zappa because he's a huge Zappa fan. But I can totally yeah. see that whole concept, especially within hard rock, about like why take yourself constantly so seriously, you know, like, you know, I mean, not, not saying that it sounded like it, but that's kind of like with ACDC, right? Like they would have these incredible songs, but then you'd turn around and they'd have like big balls, you know, or like a whole lot of Rosie, you know what I mean? Which was kind of like tongue in cheek and kind of silly, you know, but it, oh, yeah. it, yeah. Bro- it broke up the kind of, and the Jack, the Jack, that was
0: another one. You know, like that—that that is such a fucking masterpiece. Those uh, lyrics are so, so good. So double meaning, you know. If I, I mean, if I learned through um, not only through Zappa, but Deep Purple did that as well, uh, where lyrics have double meanings. You know, right? And uh, and mostly. A little bit sexist, you know, because in the older days you could be sexist and get away with it. that doesn't work anymore, and uh you yeah, know, so it's like it's it's funny, you know it's it's all humor and yeah, and yeah, big balls <laughs> that's another. it's so good, you know. and that's this modern band that my my daughter Juliana listens to. And I hear her I listen to what she's playing sometimes and this, this guy go this guy goes burn motherfucker burn you know <laughs> <laughs> Ever heard that?
1: You know Yes, I know exactly. I think it was uh it was uh, the Bloodhound Gang, I think is what they were called.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't even know this
1: band, but I love I love that part. <laughs> That's great. but again it kind of showed this kind of clever side but you know another thing that you and i had talked about like when we were kind of texting back and forth was that you had said something about how you felt like crocus's albums like you know especially early on were just like these kind of metal albums and they were kind of this hard rock raw you know they were like very much crocus but then you kind yeah. of got to like the blitz and change of address which i still love those records but I agree with you when you said that they were very polished and very slick. They didn't have that grittiness that, say, like yeah. you know, yeah. you know, that 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 Headhunter so, hardware
0: had. You know, yeah, we, we, we went we went through this this whole uh, un- unfortunately at at the zenith of our career. You know, when Headhunter was number. Twenty-four in the Billboard charts, you know, a band from from little Switzerland in Europe, where there's hard, hardly any hard rock bands at that time. Right, it's number twenty-four in the Billboard charts, and and uh, but you know, the the people behind us wanted more. You know, they mm-hmm. were look, they went only looking at Crocus having a success of our lives. You know, and almost platinum and you know they they wanted more and and they're more translated into asking us he said you guys got to become more commercial you got to lose that that gritty sound and uh, polish up your act and uh, you know I mean and they used Def Leppard we were on tour with Def Leppard then mm-hmm this was the biggest tour of our lives it was a sold out the biggest rocks rock tour in the usa def leppard was number two underneath michael jackson with thriller it was one of the best years of our lives Mm -hmm. you know our success def leppard's success michael jackson the whole Scene was all Everybody was consuming music Record companies had Millions of dollars to spend on bands You know, <laughs> this was You know what I mean It was like heaven on earth And then they come and say We gotta uh, You know s- Sidestep and uh, Get more commercial rent, You know And we we grew grew up Trying to kind of get harder and harder you know so and Chris you know who was, was the founding member Chris Von Rohr. right and yes. bass player and kind of uh, you know uh, he, he did the, the musical direction for the band right right and uh, and later became producer and so on but time he's kind of imploded or exploded mm-hmm. you know and uh there was it, it was things got really nasty and and stuff and uh and then we kind of entered the a negative spiral downwards you know right so th- suddenly chris chris was out of the band we you know and uh we went out started songwriting and with a new drummer you know and uh, new bass player and you know Fernando took over musical direction you know Mm. because uh, I mean he's been in the band (laughs) much earlier than me and and musically is uh, more able he came up with some of the best Riffs in the band, if not most, right. And uh, so you know, it was great respect. And but then, our demos were still sounding too hard and too gritty. So, so they were taken apart by the following producers. You know, mm-hmm. and it's amazing. You know, when we did the Blitz, there was Bob Rock, uh, as assistant. Uh, Producer or engineer working right. together with God Rest His Soul, Bruce Fairburn. Oh, really yes. nice guys, you know. Yeah. And they were famous for Love Boy, you know, Lover Boy. Yes. And, yeah. And also Brian Adams, Brian Adams. Mm-hmm. So both commercial, you know, melodic rock bands and stuff. And you know, so we we started drifting into this direction without Chris there to to control the drift. You know, right? Because I have to give him his due, um, and you know, when in retrospect uh, later on we realized we we'd done a mistake, and our manager who who was uh, you know. The main guy who wanted to see Chris go, right. So we would have a open road and go in that direction that they wanted us to do. Was the first guy who said, you know, I think we should call Chris back, mm-hmm. and that's when Heart Attack was was written. You know. Oh yeah. But by then, Grunge was here, and you know, and like even when we played in in New Orleans with a with sorry with uh, Iron Maiden. Um, it was only a half sold out hall you know the big huge dome they have there right yes and which was quite disapp- disappointing and this was with Iron Maiden you know I mean holy shit these guys sell out uh, I mean <laughs> you know they were selling out huge places and so we realized you know we that you can't fight grunge and um we were road weary. I was burnt out by that time. Mm-hmm. I'd had had enough of, uh, and and I thought, well, time to call this to call it a day. You know, I really, <laughs> I really did. And I was happy when the tour ended and I could uh, fly back to Europe and then onto my little island in the Mediterranean and <laughs> just hang out on the cliffs. <laughs> and uh, watch sunsets and sunrises and and meditate on what to do next you know it was a um, like so intense that that was the most intense part of my life giving out energy all that energy every Mm -hmm. day on stage or songwriting or singing in studios and stuff and yeah even partying (laughs) <laughs> well that, yeah, that that needs energy you know <laughs> although it's a positive thing <laughs> right but, um, yeah you know when when, you, when you're out there and uh, lonely on the road you know it's it's uh, it's important to be able to loosen up no it totally is and you know totally
1: to is. kind of go back a little bit with what you said earlier about grunge, grunge which I loved what you said is that it it kind of came in it was a new style of music and you said, but they were still good bands. And I feel like so many, you know, like I said, like, you know, I grew up old school, heavy metal kid, you know? And yeah, when yeah. when grunge kind of came in, yeah, I didn't, I didn't like a lot of it, but you know, I didn't like a lot of metal either. But when I started hearing bands like, you know, like Soundgarden and Alice in Chains or even Pearl Jam, who seemed to be, at the time, have more like a classic rock kind of sound, I didn't feel like it was competing with metal. I just kind of feel like that at least now, you know, in my mid-40s, I look at it and I go, it's kind of like a cycle, you know, like, you know, it it was time for something new to come around just because that's how life and that's how the world and that's how art is. But then
0: Crocus totally – Yeah, that's how it is. Right. Yeah, and it suddenly made made, – what, what we were doing looked jaded, you know?
1: But at the same time, it also made it kind of exciting because a lot of these bands were coming out and saying, you know what? Like, I was, I was a big fan of bands like Iron Maiden. I, I, you know, I liked Crocus. I actually heard David Grohl one time say that he was a Crocus fan. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And I was just like, this is cool <laughs> because these people you know, even though they weren't playing the same style of music later on, they had respect and they had some, you, you know, the, 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 you know, they weren't afraid to admit that they were fans of certain bands. But all of a sudden, metal started to have this kind of a renaissance, too. And when it did, Crocus was right there again, ready to kind of come back. So how was that oh, for oh, yep. you, knowing that, like, you know, you were there for the beginning, you were there for the decline, and then you were there for the comeback. So what was that like to see from your perspective that when metal, all of a sudden, people wanted it back again? And the old
0: school bands, for that matter. Yeah, yeah. It, it, just, it just makes you feel, makes you feel like, uh, makes me feel like I'm um, on my third life, you know, <laughs> that, that I've been living forever. <laughs> yeah because you know I I was uh, in the progressive uh, progressive rock scene Mm -hmm. with a a band called TEA in in Switzerland uh, during the 70s and that's when I did my first rounds you know like in the bus on the road opening for bigger bands and and the last one of the last bands we opened with was Queen can you believe that oh my gosh really <laughs> so, so yeah and I, I watched every every
1: bloody sound check <laughs> at the time you probably don't even yeah. realize what you're seeing but then looking back now you're like we toured with Queen <laughs> you know? like that's pretty amazing to think about yeah, yeah
0: yeah it's, it of course it, it has more more weights when you talk about queen today um <laughs> but everyone's talking about them it's like every, the, the everywhere you look it's it's queen 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 and and they they did a great movie and i i i thought it was great i thought they were great then and and they became our Id- idols in the 70s you know um and uh yeah, and then uh, things changed, and uh, n- new stuff came—heavy metal and hard rock—and you know, yeah, <laughs> it's been a, a a nice a nice life. When when I look back, I feel I feel lucky to have been a part of it, and uh, to have seen it, as you said, rise and fall and come back. And I'm glad to still be around and. Crocus has reached the last phase we've been doing the Adios Amigos tour in 2019 Mm -hmm. we played so many great festivals and um, yeah it was a great experience and now we have the video and DVD out and uh, during a time when when there are no live concerts anymore so it's a great timing to to come out with that and I'm, I'm looking forward to the future because I haven't been sitting on my ass watching TV every night. I've been creative <laughs> and uh, I got together with a couple of guitar players over the internet and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and created stuff and And I've got enough songs for, to fill up three albums but I, I just picked up the best 12 and we, we're going to record uh, 10 of them and I'll release my first solo album um, officially, um, hopefully beginning of next year, I guess, if, if unless Corona suddenly disappears with the next hurricane, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm so glad
1: you brought that up about the Adios Amigos tour and the solo album. But what I wanted to ask you about the Adios Amigos tour was that there were talks of you guys returning – to the us as part of that tour yeah I, is there any chance that you guys any might still like make it back in like 2022 or something and give people like me a chance to say you know yeah long the
0: room. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I really hope so you know i have my all my fingers and all my toes are, are crossed mm-hmm. that uh we're we're still gonna be able to to give because I mean there's a lot of fans that that bought tickets and, and I guess they still have those tickets and those will be re revaluated or whatever you call that uh-huh. and they can come and and hopefully the band all the band band members are still gonna be alive by then <laughs> and <laughs> including myself <laughs> and uh, you know I, we try keeping fit and we hardly we don't see each other you know i i live in basel they live in Mm Solothurn, and um but anyway there's this social distancing crap which we have to abide to which Mm -hmm. is important exactly because the sooner we get rid of this this uh what can you call it this dreaded um Plague. Mm -hmm. the sooner sooner we can all bunch up together again and and kick ass and rock and roll, you know? Otherwise it's gonna keep moving away from us, moving away, moving away, that's what it's doing now. It's really frustrating. It It really really is
1: frustrating because the people who complain that they can't go see shows are the ones that are more responsible for it not going away because they don't want to stop hanging out you know. <laughs> and so it's like i keep yeah, telling people yeah. i was like i think
0: really? we have to yeah. invest <laughs> yeah in in you know in social distancing and do do the right things I'm um, i'm having my first vaccination in two days time oh, and fantastic. i'm looking forward to it yes and uh yeah it's, that's the way to go you know mm. That's, that's what we have to do. you know it's, What else can he do? Crocus's use crocus
1: in pop culture. Like you guys were name dropped in Beavis and Butthead as being a great band. But then <sighs> then there was a Volkswagen commercial where this oh, yeah. American woman is driving through her neighborhood and she's talking about how much she loves Crocus. <laughs> like, did you see that commercial? Did you know about it before it came out? And
0: I, I, I've heard about it. I've never seen that, though. No, you know, these... I, didn't, I don't know who made that deal, but... Uh, I'll, I'll,
1: know, I'll send I don't it know. to you. I'll send it to you because it is one of the funniest. They don't have any of the music <sighs> in it, but she just mentions... She says, "She says I loved Crocus." She goes, "I toured with them all through like 1980 something." She goes, "I got so excited at one show, I passed out." <laughs> like, this is amazing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and did did you hear about the the astronaut who took uh, Crocus music? I, I guess it was a cassette <laughs> in those days. No. Uh, into space yeah (laughs) yeah that's that's another story which is great you know (laughs) see you guys have actually
1: left the planet that's pretty awesome like that's pretty rocking when you go to space (laughs) you know (laughs) I mean, I can imagine just just even hearing the mention of your band, you know, whether it be like like I said, like in a commercial or Beavis and butthead or whatever, like there's got to be some sort of a cool feeling to you to where you're like, okay, wow, there's still a, there's still some sort of relevance to what we do, even if we're just being named in things like <laughs> this. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah no, it it's nice to hear. Uh even younger bands or same age bands that, you know, if you're reading an interview and uh, the name Crocus comes up, you know, it's it's great that we're still remembered because we sure put a lot of energy into it and uh, we gave it our best years, if you like, you know. (laughs) And um, so, so that's great. And we still have a large fan following in the USA and Canada mm-hmm. and as I said we'd love to go back and finish the tour that we already had uh, booked mm-hmm. and um, and there's some dates in Mexico we would like to do that haven't been uh, yeah, due to Corona and also in uh, Britain you know Great Britain and um, and there's in the meantime there's been some new offers coming in in Europe again you know but we we said we'd end in Europe with with the concert we did in Zurich mm-hmm. last uh, this December 2019 and yeah that that was that was great very emotional it was very emotional you know knowing it's the last <laughs> the last one yeah but uh, at the back of my head you know I always had this this thing you No, know, it, it's gonna be you know, the last with crocus but I'm, I'm gonna carry on there's no way I'm gonna uh, just become a couch potato or something like that <laughs> or just uh, spend the rest of my days you know, fishing or whatever um, You know, although that's very, uh, it's very trendy to go fishing right now. (laughs) I'm looking forward to the future, man. Well, so tell me
1: a little bit about your solo album, because this is something that's like, again, for me as a Mark Storace fan and a Crocus fan in general, like I love your voice and your work. What can you tell me about the album, Thanks. the solo material? Like, what is it gonna be like? Um, like, what can we expect
0: from you? Ooh, uh, <laughs> well, it's gonna be a rock album, mm-hmm. um, and there's gonna be um, maybe uh, s- some a couple of very fast songs, a couple of medium fast songs, you know, me- medium songs in mm-hmm. medium tempo and um, and a couple of of uh, balladesque songs, you know um, all in all it's right now trying to out of those 12 favourites, mm-hmm. trying to choose 10, you know, it's always difficult to, to throw, which one should I throw out, you know right. and uh, <laughs> I'm very I'm very uh, pleased about this blues song that, that that's on it you know and um, yeah I guess it's it's far too too early to start talking about that right mm-hmm. now because you know Crocus is is still alive although we're we're uh, right now in limbo <laughs> if you like and I'm mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to uh, working with um, as long as it goes you know I'm not going to be the one who pulls the plug on, on Crocus ever. Mm-hmm. So my my solo thing is intended to run parallel, you know. And um, so it, when, whenever I have the time, I'm, I want to keep on writing songs and recording and maybe do a video or two. Mm-hmm. and go on tour and love, love to get back on the road you know as soon as the whole thing opens up and everything is safe again and I want to be out there Yeah. <laughs>
1: well I'm going to be totally honest Mark I want you out here I want you here in Atlanta and like you guys can actually crash here in my basement if you want like we can even set up a show in the backyard <laughs> I don't care I just want to see Crocus I want to sing along with the songs <laughs> and you know I honestly got to tell you, Mark, this has been such a pleasure to talk to you and you are such an incredibly nice person. And this has really been, oh. a, this has been a, a dream for me. I really,
0: I really appreciate that. My pleasure. My pleasure. You know, it's, it's always good to talk to spirit, spirited people who are into, into what we're into and, you're you're still young and you know and and you play in a band, right? Yes, yes I do. W- what's the band called? Uh we're called Collins Drive.
1: Collins Drive. We're we're just kind of like a roots rock band. Cool. How, what what can you compare yourselves to? Oh gosh, probably kind of like um Oh gosh, that's a good one. I've had uh, we've heard a, a lot of different <laughs> we've heard a lot of different descriptions. We've heard people say that we kind of sounded like uh, Neil Young, or some people said that we kind of sounded like um, uh, like a not as good Rolling Stones. Sometimes, or like a not so good Rolling Stones. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, it's just it's just okay. It's so just, you. Yeah, but you're not a
0: perfectionist,
1: man. No, no. You, you know, you know. I, I grew up in the South. You know, so I'm a storyteller. Yeah. I like to write lyrics and write songs. So, you know, I'm not a great singer, but you know, we have a, we have fun. We have a little following. We've put out some music, and uh, you know. But like you said, oh. like even on this level, and you sing, right? Yes, yes. I well, I try very hard. Mom, um, don't always succeed. Singing is singing, you know, there are a
0: hundred different ways to sing, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, 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 and sometimes you just have to get a message across and other times you, you want to get technique and melody and stuff mm-hmm. across and, and, and sometimes there's more percentage of one thing than the other or vice versa. So whatever mm-hmm. it is, it's still singing, you know, Bob Dylan's a singer too. You know, and it's so funny because I, I,
1: I'm a big fan of Bob Dylan also. And one of the things I remember talking to somebody who was a, a songwriter um, and singer also here in Georgia, he told me one time, he said, you know, because you don't have to be the greatest singer. But if you have great songs, that's what matters, you know. And so I've always tried to say okay you know i can't i can't sing incredible but you know what if i can write a good song that's what i really want and your voice is the vehicle to yeah. to put out what you're trying to say exactly and your message and exactly you know like I, I i i'm a pretty decent folk rock singer i'd be a horrible metal singer as long as you find
0: your your fans you know your 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 pl- place you have your platform. Then, uh, and you write good lyrics too, uh, then you're gonna find your way. Yeah, doesn't have to be hard rock.
1: (laughs) Good lord. See, not only have I talked to one of my legendary favorite artists, I've also got band uh, advice from him as well. This has been a great day for me. That's cool, Don. Well, look, well, Mark, that's cool. I, I could talk to you all day, obviously, but i'm gonna have to I'm gonna let you go so you can go live a little bit and write some, though. But I really do appreciate you taking the time to talk with me and share some stories and just kind of flatter
0: this old crocus fan. My pleasure, my pleasure. Glad you enjoyed. And uh, I hope you people out there listening are, okay and stay safe and rock on enjoy listening to your music and watching the videos and movies you love until the whole thing <laughs> is uh gone you know corona and um yeah so i hope you enjoyed um, i hope uh, to see you soon and um Let's rock the world together again.